I, uh, I feel like the Lord has really been speaking to me this week. You ever have those moments where God just keeps saying the same thing over and over again? And uh, you keep trying to figure out how to make it fit into what you want to say. Have you ever done? No, not even ever done. <laughs> and then you're just realizing that God's saying something after all, right? And you say, okay, God, what are you trying to say? And uh, this last week I, I spoke about uh, David, this past week, David cutting off the corner of Saul's robe. And we talked a lot about this really profound moment of David where he cut, crawls forward in the cave and he cuts off the robe and then... He comes back and um, he is very convicted. I put this on do not disturb because we can all do that together. Can I just tell you, I feel like the Lord's given a word. I really want to encourage you. I know as pastors, we're supposed to say like, don't get up, use the bed. Don't can I just encourage you, man? I really don't want you to miss what God wants to say today. It's really special. Like I've, I've wept over what I believe God wants to speak today. I'm not a big weepy guy. It's not really my vibe, but I feel like the Lord really wants to speak uh, today to us. And uh, even through holy tears, but we talked about David this last week and crawling forward, cutting off the robe. And I shared a little bit about what that meant about cutting off the robe and how he was kind of de declaring over Saul, like God has cut you off. And then I was, it was interesting how the spirit was, he had been speaking to me uh, that night in preparation for the sermon, even that night afterwards, really about, about a posture that I think he's calling his church into. And I was really blessed to meet with uh, actually Lauren's father and Alex and um, uh, Benny, who's a, a really incredible man, a Jewish man for Israel who's here. And we got to talk and, and he brought it up as well. And he was like, hey, did you know? And he was and uh, bringing up how special that moment really, really is in David and what that robe meant. And it, it kind of was just this nudge of God in my life of like, hey, you know how I keep making this a big point to you? I think that you might need to, to share this because I think there's so much here as our, as our people, as a church, begin to move forward. And I want to share a little bit of this thought, and, and I brought this as a, as a visual aid here. And it's, it's similar, but not the same to the garment that would be worn. They, they give these out when uh, you get ordained as a minister here in the Assemblies of God. And uh, I, I won't wear it the whole time, but basically it goes over... immediately doing this role. Try to do it with a microphone. You wrap your arms around it normally and it hangs down. And so you wear it like this or down and when they when they pray for you and it and it hangs down. So there's there's kind of a couple garments that I want to talk about. I'm not gonna wear this the whole time, but I just want you to see like it would be much longer than this. It would go all the way down to the ground. It would be at a grander scale. But I would just want you guys to look at two things. Can you see this? Anyone here? There's some tassels, but then there's like a really important one right here. Everyone seeing this? It's for visuals? Okay. I'm going to set this up here. I wasn't like prop ready, but the worship team just led us here. Right? They're going to work that hard to get us here. We're not going to leave for announcements and then come back. <laughs> Work so hard. <laughs> so you guys can still see that, right? It's good. So Jewish uh, men, especially rabbis at the time, they, they wore a couple garments. They wore, wore one garment called the haluk. It's a long linen undergarment, usually worn at home, often not uh, worn in public. In fact, in John 19.23, when it says that the soldiers gambled for Jesus' uh, garment, this is likely the garment that they were gambling uh, for while he's naked on the cross. 
I know we picture him with a loincloth or something, but naked on the cross is the posture of Christ. And then there's uh, another garment, an outer garment called the talit. And I'm sorry for my Hebrew brothers. This is as close as it gets for me. I'm from Washington. Like, I'm sorry. I've studied Hebrew. I have a master's in theology, but this is as close as it gets. But uh, there's an outer garment. I go over the halakh, and it would, it would um, carry a couple things. Usually it's white, made of wool. It would have arms, you know, for your, for your, for your head, or holes for your arms and your head. When Jesus um, said in Matthew 5, he said, you know, give someone your cloak and then your garment, right? He talks about both things, right? If they ask for this, give that. What he's saying is give them their haluk and your talit. Give them your outer garment. That would be, you'd be naked after that. Are you with me? So these are both really crucial garments that, that they would wear. And at the bottom of this outer garment, uh, there would be, uh, or the prayer garment, depending on who you, who you were and what your standing was and what century you were in, at the hem of the robe were tassels like this. You can guys all see this still? And these tassels at the, at the garment were called the seat seat. Someone say seat seat. See, we're, also, we're all bad at Hebrew together. <laughs> and at the corner of the garment, I'll do this one so you guys can see, at the corner of the, the garment was a special tassel. You see this one's got the cords, right? The blue and most Jewish men, especially rabbis, they would wear something that would have these tassels. It comes out of Numbers 15. I think we actually might have Numbers 15. It's like way deep into the sermon, but we're like so deep. We skipped the whole intro. We skipped like half of it. But if you can find it, respect. Numbers 15, 37. Wow, really? Amazing. <laughs> we're, we, uh, we're deep, guys. <laughs> Amazing. I'll just, I'll read it right here because he did so good getting it. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel and tell them to make tassels, tzitzit, on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a cord of blue on the tassels of each corner. You guys remember those one? On the corner. And it shall be a tassel for you to look at and to remember at the commandments of the Lord to do them, not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you are inclined to whore after. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. So you shall remember and do all my commandments and be holy to your God. I'm the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord, your God. Strong wording, but spot on, right? Come on. We know our hearts inclined, right? To whore after the things that are not of God. We know. So these tassels were a visual reminder of God's presence and authority. And at the corner of the robe, these tassels, the one he mentions, were called the kanaf. Someone say kanaf. Or kanafim, that's another word, you know, plural, the multiples of them. And in Hebrew, the word means the corner of the robe, or it could mean a wing. And these tassels were really a, a, a strong visual, symbolic, even actually a numeric symbol relating to the Torah and the, and the promise, the law, and the covenant of God. Very, very important to Jewish men, Jewish uh, followers of Yahweh, because that tassel represented the authority and the presence of Yahweh. Are you with me? The authority and presence, say presence, of Yahweh. Say Yahweh. So when David, we talked last week, when David comes forward and he cuts off the tassel, this is what he cuts off, so to speak, in a slightly different version. They didn't wear prayer shawls like this, but similar, right? 
he cuts off the corner of the robe of Saul and 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 he is convicted immediately why because he's saying I've, I've cut off I have cut off God's presence and authority over you I've cut you off Saul from the line of God from, from the authority of God from from the anointing of God and David realized it is not my place to cut anybody off from the anointing of God that's God's place right David longed to be given the authority by Father God, right? He, he wanted to enter into heavenly and, and, and heavenly sonship with God, right? Amen? But he only wanted to do it according to God's plan, not his own plan. And so the tassel and the edge of the robe, the kanuf, it, it represented very clearly a recognition of the authority of God and the presence of God. If you've ever read of read about Ruth, I know my wife's group, they did, a, they did a group on Ruth. If you read about Ruth, there's a moment where she goes in and she lays at the feet of Boaz because Boaz is the kinsman redeemer, meaning the one who can redeem her line, the line that was going to be led to death. He can redeem it back to life, and, and she gets incredible instructions. She's not, a, she's not a Jew. She gets instructions from her Jewish mother-in-law who says, go and lay at his feet, and he'll cover you with his robe. And if you don't understand the robe, you're like, this feels a little presumptuous from Ruth towards Boaz, fair? But if you understand what's happening, it says, go lay at his feet, and he's going to cover you with the kanaf. He's going to cover you with the wings. He's going to cover you with the corner of his robe, therefore bringing what was dead into covenant, not only with him, but with the living God. Are we still together here this morning? The power of worship hasn't faded from you. You're still with me? Good. Good. I love that. So not only in covenant with him, but all Israel. You know, when the prophets came, they, they spoke of the corner of the robe. Here's Zechariah 8.23. They say, thus says the Lord of hosts. In those days, ten men from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a Jew, saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. That word is the kanaf. So they're going to grab a hold of the corner of the robe of a Jew, saying, listen... God's authority and presence is very clearly with you and coming through you. We want to go lead us to the Messiah. You know that the Messiah is a Jewish concept, right? All right that's where we get the Messiah from is through them. It says they're going to grab the hem, they're going to grab the kanaf, and they're going to say, Let, lead us to the Messiah. Malachi 4.2. I think we have this one as well. Malachi 4.2. I love this verse. Can we just look at this verse together for a second? We're going to slow on this one, okay? Okay, okay? Everyone, okay? Yes, okay, good, good. But for you who fear my name, the Son, S-U-N, right? We get a lot of that. We know what that is. The Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. Wings, right? It's the same word. Enough. So it's going to rise with healing in its wings. You'll go out leaping like calves from the stall. Look at this verse. I, I, I just, I want us, I know we read scripture and it goes fast, but can we look at this for a second, church? For those who fear my name, those who would surrender, who would repent, who would return, right? That's what it means to fear the name of God. Amen? The sun of righteousness. What is the sun? The sun is the light, right? The sun gives light. Who is the light of righteousness? It's okay, you're in church. You can say it louder than that. 
It's not a funeral. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> Jesus, he's the son of right, the light of righteousness. What does he say? He says, I am the light that is, I am the life that is the light of men. Right? Jesus is the light. He's the son of righteousness. It says when the son of righteousness comes, he's coming with healings in his kanaf, in, in the corner of his robe, in his wings. Yes? It says there's going to come a day when people will grab a hold of the hem of the robe, and there's going to be healing in the hem of the robe. There's going to be healing in the wings of God. Okay, let's go to the New Testament. You love the Word of God? Luke 8, yeah, yeah. Luke 8, 42. Let's jump there. It says, as Jesus went, actually, no, I'm going to give you a second. I'm gonna, I want you to open your Bible, Luke 8, 42. I know, I went too quick. I said, go to Luke 8, 4, I have it written down, I'm cheating. And I said, let's go, and then I went without you. It's on the screen, but can I encourage you to open your Bible, because you're going to want to write some things down, Okay. Man, the Word of God is powerful. A generation that sees every member of their family more in the Word than on their phone, amen? A generation that sees people full of the Word of God, man, I love it. To hold the Word of God in our hand, you know you know how I know that AI is not messing with whatever version of the Bible I'm getting? Because I'm holding it in my hand and looking at it with my eyes. And I, and I have underlines from the darkest and brightest days of my life in that space. I'm not afraid to write in the Word. I don't think, I don't think uh, God minds. Luke 8, 42. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she'd spent all of her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. All of her living. So she has nothing now. Right? She came up behind him, say Jesus. She came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his garment. You see that? She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. Oh, man, the Lord's going to do something. Are you ready? Jesus said, someone, I hope you guys are ready. I feel like we're ready. Someone touched me. I perceive the power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, because she was excited, right? She came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been healed immediately. And he said to her, look at this, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Wow. I just can't even imagine Jesus speaking those words to me. Can you? Say, explain this. So let's talk about this for a second. This woman was unclean. And all who touched her would be unclean. And she'd spent all of her money seeking to be clean. So she was an outsider with no money. Those of you who are like, I also have no money. You're like, it already feels outside-ish without money. Imagine if you couldn't touch or be near anyone. That would be difficult, yes? 
We have people like that all over the city. That's the great thing about Jesus is he sends us to the people that society refuses to touch or even smell, who are treated as outsiders, but he sends us with healing. So this woman was an outsider. And so she saw Jesus. She fights through the crowd. And I've heard many, many sermons on this. And, and the sermon usually goes like this. All she wanted to do was just touch him. If I could just touch him and just like put my hand on him, then I'll be healed. And I do think that that is a very precious view of approaching God. But I don't think that it, it, it makes her just seem desperate and foolish. And I actually think she's incredibly brilliant and calculated in what she's doing here. I don't think that what she did was a mistake. Go back, to, go back to the word, somebody who's still there because you love the word of God. Go back to verse 44. It says, she touched the fringe of his what? Yes. It and what part did she touch? I just said it. Say fringe. Fringe. She touched the fringe of his garment. She was touched for something specific. Let me tell you, here's the fringe right here. Are you with me? Here it is. The kanaf. She touched the fringe of his garment. She touched a very specific place of the garment. A very specific place. It's not any place, right? Because it says when, uh, when she touched the fringe, immediately, sorry, stay with me here. I'm getting there in my mind. Immediately she was healed. And what does Jesus say? She says, he says, someone touched me. And Peter says, we are surrounded by people, Jesus. Everyone touched you. And he said, no, some people are coming up against me, and they're near me, and they're bumping into me. Many Christians in this world are bumping into Jesus. They're near enough. They're even maybe rubbing shoulders with him. But she touched, she was very specific. And he says, when she did that, I perceived the power came through me. Not I laid my hands and I said something. The power of God Right, who Jesus has come to do his will, the power of the Spirit went from him out. He said, everyone's bumping into me, but something different happened because the power was released from me in that moment. What activates the power of God? Faith. Faith. What activates the power of God? Faith. I'm going to ask one more time, and this time it's your turn, church. The other two, that was me, but we're together here, remember? What activates the power of God? Faith. Faith. You guys are on it today. That's, man, Spirit of the Lord's in the house. It's easy, easy to read the Word. Amen. <laughs> right, Pastor Barry? It's like, it's easy to preach when the Spirit of God's here. A woman comes to him, and I love this. We know we have no idea what she says, because verse 47, if you, if you look in, in your word there, it says, when the woman saw she's not hidden, she came trembling, falling down, and declared in the presence of the people why she touched him. We don't get that info. We don't, she, we don't know, right, from here. She, we don't hear her say, but we can only infer from why somebody would, right? We don't have her, her words, but we know from Scripture that the kanaf was a symbol of the power and the authority of the presence of God. The hem was a symbol of the presence of God. 
And the prophet said, listen, Israel, when the son of righteousness comes, run, grab a hold of the tassel, come under his wings, and you'll be healed. This is a declaration of faith. She's not randomly bumping into Jesus. She's saying, I get it. This woman is making a declaration right here. We move over it because she just seems like a random woman with an issue, and she's just trying to get near. Jesus seems interesting. She's making a messianic declaration. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. By clinging, she's saying, I'm tying back. Okay, prophets through, by God, you said cling on to the hem when you see the Messiah. That looks like the Messiah. I'll cling to his hem, and I'll be healed. Are you with me? powerful statement that she could be stoned to death presumably for making it heresy if she's wrong powerful statement I'll grab a hold of the kanaf the authority of God will heal me that's a declaration of faith Jesus when he looks at Peter he says who do who do they say I am and who do you say I am right Matthew 16 Jesus says who do you say that I am Simon Peter replied you're the Christ the son of living God. Jesus answered and blessed her you. This isn't on there. This is just for you to receive. Simon Barjona for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who's in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church for the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now I'm going to say something here and I don't want to mess this up too hard and get us stuck. But upon what rock? This is, if you're Catholic, I'm going to mess with you. I'm so sorry. Upon what rock? right? Upon the confession of faith. That's the rock. The rock that God builds his church on. Yes, Peter is profound and anointed as the rock of the early church. But what is the rock that God founds his church on? It's the confession that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He says, listen, Peter, you get something. You understand before you see that I'm the Messiah. And he said, upon that rock, upon the confession of your faith, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell, they cannot prevail against the confession of faith in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He says, come to the robe and grab a hold and see that there's healing. Church, this is the posture of every single one of us. Man, if we could rewrite anything, it would just be the posture of believers. I don't even like how tall this stage is right now because it seems wrong in unison with what's occurring here in this place. But there's something about the posture of believers that every one of us has to come to the feet of Jesus. Follow me. Are you with me here? Every one of us has to come to the feet of Jesus. And we have to confess him as Lord and we become lowly. You can't come to Jesus prideful. I know the secret says, just come as you are, but we can't come to Jesus prideful. We can only come to him lowly. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your failures. It doesn't matter the weight of sin on your shoulders, but you can only come to Jesus right here at his feet. And to grab a hold of the authority of God and say, here I am, Jesus. Here I am. Here I am. This is not about how many Bible verses you have memorized, right? This is not about how many small groups you've been to. This is not about even how much you've done, how much you've given. This is just about a posture at the feet of Jesus. It says, here is your hem. Here is your authority. Jesus, heal me. What would the church look like if our posture was just this? If all we were concerned about was at the feet of Jesus. That he exalts us. Yes, church? 
He raises us up. He glorifies the humble. But our posture is to be lowly, to say, listen, salvation and healing is in the hem of the robe of the Messiah. What is the hem? It's the authority and the presence. It's in you, Jesus. It's in your salvation. It's not by my power. It's by yours. In grasping the hem of the Messiah, we're cleansed of our sins. In grasping the hem of the Messiah, we're healed in our bodies by his wounds. Scripture said we're healed. Psalm 91, 4 says he'll cover you with his pinions. And under his wings, you'll find refuge and faithfulness. Church, I, man, we got to change our posture. We got to be people who grasp the hem. The world is telling us to grasp the heights, the next rung on the ladder. But to follow Christ, we have to cling to the authority of Jesus above all else. Cling to the present wounded Savior above all else. Are you still with me this morning? Do we agree? Is there maybe just a part of you that's tired of emotions? It's like, I love the fact we're going to be in a new building. But I hope it just gives us a bigger altar to cling to the hem of Jesus. Because if we're just there to be big, like, I quit. I don't care. The, the, to be honest, the, the days, I, I just want to be, like, I think of the Samaritan woman. Remember the Samaritan woman, those of you, if you're new, I'll, I'll tell you briefly, but you remember the Samaritan woman, right? Talk about whoring after other things, right? Right? Come on. It's in the Bible. You can't get mad at me for that one. <laughs> We're together today. I think of the Samaritan woman. She's unclean, right? Jesus meets her at the well. And having released all his disciples, like, we got to go find food. She finds Jesus and declares his lordship. Powerful encounter. Tells her everything she's ever done. Her words, he told me everything I ever did. And she grabs the hem, metaphorically. She grabs onto Jesus. But you know what I love about her is she grabs onto the hem of Jesus. She's like, I give you to my Lord and Savior. But then she looks back at her family. She says, man, there's some people here that need to grab onto the hem of Jesus too. She says, listen, Jesus, don't go anywhere. I'm going to come back. I got to go get people because they need to hear about you. Here's a woman, no context, no background, all kinds of things in her past, right? Right? Like she, I don't know. I don't know where she'd stand on church leadership, right? Right? Or what kind of ecclesia, I don't know, whatever. Pick a big word. I don't know where she's landing. She's just like, I'm at the hem of Jesus. This is amazing. I'm receiving healing from my past and my failures. And then she's not a selfish person. So she's looking, she's going, oh, I got a free hand. Right? Now I can't do this if I'm still holding on to everything from the world. I got to let it go. And I'm just this conduit to the hem of Jesus. Man, band, come help me. I feel like we just got to go back into worship. This is, this is our posture. Who am I not going to be in the way of? Here we go, right here. This is our posture. Everyone going with me? I don't want to lose you here. This is just symbolic, but symbols have power, right? This right here is not going to heal me, but it's sure as heck going to point me in the right direction. When we, like the woman, we make a declaration. We say, Jesus... You're all that I need, right? Like this is not a prideful posture. You can try to make it. 
But this is our posture before Jesus. I felt this for my family. I told my wife, like, I, I just, I just want to be here, right? I want to be here in worship. Like, if I just, I, I wish the feet of Jesus were right here more than anything. I can't even tell you. I think it, it, like his feet right here. I would give a million wishes just to touch the feet of Jesus, even right now, for a moment. To be in this place with him and to be, man, when we touch the robe, we're healed. How many of you remember the moment you first grabbed the hem of Jesus and it changed everything, right? Do you remember that moment? When you grabbed the hem, some of you were like nine years old still. Some of you, it was yesterday. You grabbed the hem of Jesus and it changed everything. See, we've been running through so many sermons. I mean, we preach I mean, so many points. I mean, how can you even obey all these points? How are you going to go through them all? There's not even enough hours in the day. There's one point at Banner Church I feel like God is just speaking, and it's this point. Just grab the hem of Jesus Christ. And to bring yourself low, you say, Pastor, my marriage is struggling. I need a marriage series to help me in my marriage. My marriage series, it's going to direct you. It's going to give you some points. It's going to help you, but it's not going to save your marriage. You know what is? This right here. Husbands, you got to grab the hem of Jesus Christ to be made low. And then you look to your family and you say, come, come, come. Look, there's another one. Come right here, right here. Come right here. Husbands, you come to the altar and you bring your wife and you say, come, we're going. We're going to the hem of Jesus. Neither of us can really fight about dishes when we're right here at the hem of Jesus Christ, right? All of a sudden, our finances we fight about and I refuse to surrender. They're gone because I'm just here at the feet of Jesus. Like, thank you, Jesus. Right? All of our relationships... Even in your singleness, you're right here. God, lead me. God, direct me. God, guide me. In your job, God, direct. It, it, it all comes from this place. So if I give you four steps on how to honor your boss or 12 steps on how to bless your wife, listen, there's one step. Cling to the hem of Jesus Christ. See, we've so overcomplicated that we've, we've complicated out obedience. Like, well, I don't know how to get all 10 done. I got to honor her and do this and then like make pasta. I don't know, whatever people do these days. Do the dishes and laundry on this. I don't know. It's complicated. There's one step. Cling to the hem of Jesus. Are you with me? There's one step. Come to the altar and say, Jesus, I'm having, God, God, I need you. God, I have some struggles. Bring a friend. Say, let's go. Let's cling to the hem of Jesus and receive healing. We're not just going there for emptiness. We're going there for healing. Church, that's our posture. I cling to the hem. I bring my children in. I say, look. Look at where I... Listen, I don't care if you even like this church. My own children. I just... I want you to be at the hem of Jesus. And be healed. And be restored. And have full life. Are you with me, church? Is there anything? I don't know if there's anything better than that. And I know that the Lord is directing and guiding us because some of you, you can feel it in your spirit, right? You need healing? Come cling to Him. You need unity? Come cling to Him. You need freedom? Come cling to Him. You need joy? Cling to Him. You need restoration in your family? Come cling to Him. 
That's why we alter. That's why we come before is because it's a moment where we put ourselves in a posture of just surrendering to him at his feet to be made low. Some of you, the best thing you could do to save your marriage, to affect your mental health, to restore a spirit of joy would to be spending time on your knees at the feet of Jesus saying, I cling to you. And can I, can I promise you something, friends? You will be healed. You will be healed. You will be restored. You will be renewed. Do you know that? Do you know that? Do you know that? Come on, tell your spirit. Do you know that? At the hem of Jesus. Somebody say hem. Are you ready to respond to what the Lord's doing? Let's do it. Let's stand this morning. It's healing in the authority of God. Man, the worship team, they already led us there to that place. Such a good word. Awesome was speaking about healing. It's so good. I'm just going to release you into that ministry in just a moment to just sing and minister to us in your anointing, okay? Okay, that's what I care about. I don't, I'm not trying to pressure you. I'm just releasing you, brother, to do that. And all these people, they're with you in this space of the anointing. Awesome. Awesome. We're going to respond together in this. First is very clearly a call to salvation. Because if you've never clung to the hem of Jesus, you've never made that declaration, that man, you're missing out on the most beautiful, life-changing, restorative thing. And I, I don't want you to go another second missing out on that, but to step into it. So I'm going to share living water with you. Would you bow, bow your heads with me and close your eyes? If you're here and you would say, today I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I repent of my sins and confess in my heart and receive him, that I might be made whole and be made well, and I'm here just to cling to the hem of Jesus. I don't know even about all this church stuff. I don't know about the, the band thing, figuring this stuff out. I don't own a Bible, but I do know that I need restoration and healing. And I do know I need a Savior. That when I die, my eternity is secured forever by Him. If that's you and you say, yes, Jesus, I need you as my Lord and Savior. Would you do me a favor? Would you lift your hand up and put it back down? Yes, Jesus, I need you as my Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Jesus, we recognize you as Lord and Savior. We confess with our hearts that you are God. And we receive the salvation that comes with repentance. God, not only for now, but for eternity, we celebrate the sonship and daughtership that we're adopted in because of you, Jesus, in your mighty name. Amen. Okay, we're going to respond here in a minute. Very simple response, but I feel like the Lord's working. It's a physical response. A lot of what we do is physical. We're physical, right? We're physical beings. A lot of our posture really speaks to our heart. And so we do things that affect posture. We lift our hands because we surrender, yes? We kneel down because we humble ourselves and surrender. A lot of surrender, right? But we're family here, yeah? It's okay. It's a safe space. We've had a moment. We're okay. We even have time. We're doing good. So you're okay. Your kids are fine. I cut off 20 minutes. I mean, I cut off a whole bunch so we can have this moment because I love you and I believe that when you come and symbolically kneel down before the Lord and grab the hem of Jesus, there's going to be healing. And our prayer team, they're going to be up here. They're going to pray for you, but I'm going to release you just in a second to come to the altar. And you can, I don't know what the condition of your knees, but just respond. You can kneel. I think it's powerful. You can stand. But if you're in that posture and say, Jesus, that's the longing of my heart. 
It's just to grab a hold of you and, and to draw other people in. And I want to be in that posture. I want to set my heart in stone. Like there's, there's like a ring setting that's being laid right here, right? But set my heart in the setting of your presence and have that rooted into something beautiful. If that's you, I'm going to pray and just release you to come forward and have that moment, you and Jesus, okay? Understand? I'm going to release you. Come have a moment at the hem of Jesus. I guess you can reach up and touch us if you want, whatever you want. But it's just, it's you and the Spirit. The Spirit's here. Jesus, I thank you for who you are. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we come into this space, this union with you. And I pray that as we come to the altar, there would be a release of healing over bodies, minds, relationships, hearts, whatever it is. And God, there would be a deeper union with you to the person who says, God, I love you. I just so clearly want to set my heart in stone with you. Or the person who says, Jesus, I need you more than ever before. God, however we come to the altar, I thank you that you meet us and you heal us. And I just release you right now. Be released. Come to the altar and cling to the hem of his robe. Say, Jesus, all I need is you. We're going to pray healing in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's do it. Thank you for listening to the Banner Church Podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.